in Scott for Dumbass Thursday Night. What's How are you all on? tonight? Happy I took Thursday. Mark's chair. You, you did. did. <laughs> so you're getting a little bit closer of view of us today because, you know, there's only three of us tonight. Yeah. And the three of us that are on video. Now, if you look at the chat, yes. Mark is... Um, He's, he's virtual. He's he's definitely being pesky out there, if you will. <laughs> but uh, welcome to the show, right? Good to see you guys. Good Cheers. to see you. Cheers. Cheers. Happy Thursday. If you are watching us uh, on the replay, welcome. Hopefully, there's some chapters so you can skip ahead. Mm -hmm. And if you're listening to us on our podcast, welcome, welcome. back. Welcome. Welcome back. Hopefully, yeah. you're enjoying the audio much better. Yeah, we just kicked off the the podcast again this last week um, with the. Uh, what was the topic? Uh, oh American gosh. single. Yes. Well, the rise, see, the, the, the rise of craft distilling. Yes. Yes. And, and so that that's kicking us off. So you can get that on Anchor. Um, <laughs> you put too much pressure uh, on Apple, me, Spotify, <laughs> all those week. podcasts. I don't remember what we're doing this week. Right. Yeah, about that. Oh yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you know what we're doing this week? We're doing something a day late. We're Burns Day. We, we are. are. We are. We're going to talk about that. We got so, a we got a good agenda. We have a pretty good show tonight. We got some yeah, stuff going on. We're we're going to do what we always do. We're going to take a quick second to say hi to a few folks in our our chat on YouTube live here. So let's scroll up and see who is in. I can see Mark Brodo's in here, of course. Yes, he's got like four hundred. Francois, Joe Combs, Mark, 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 Justin, good to see <laughs> Peter you, Newton, good to see you, Justin. Justin. Yeah, stuff will work. Lana, hello, Lana. Long time no see. Yeah, it's been a minute. Donna, Sean, good to see you as well. Kim, Kim. all right. Excellent. Bobby J. It's Hunter okay. Henry. Man, I saw Kim was wearing her uh, Scott for Dummy sweatshirt, which I think is a good buy. You got to go to the, the <laughs> you know website what? to get Speaking those. Speaking of that, I I am uh, ready to pull the trigger on some new merch. Oh, we yeah, got new graphics? Yeah, yeah, I'm ready to do some new graphics, some new coins. Uh, I want to get vests. Well, I think we're ready to upgrade the vest. Oh, I'm uh, I'm glad that you mentioned that because I was thinking about getting some new stuff. So, I'll, I'll dude, just, our clothes are old. I know, yeah, I know. We need well, some yeah. cool stuff. And I'm wearing the the, uh, we were in the OG, the man. OG. This is before we ever. Well, this is. Oh, uh, that is old school. Yeah. Wow, <laughs> man. This is All his right. first right. um, logo. That That's like the original, first. like <laughs> yeah. 2007. <laughs> that was before we knew what Burns Night was. It right. was. <laughs> so, guys, Burns Night was last night, a day late, but, you know, we've done this a few years, obviously. Yeah. It's, every, mm -hmm. it's an every year thing, but uh, what comes to mind? Haggis. Haggis. Right? Basically, haggis. Haggis. Haggis, yeah. haggis, and, haggis, haggis and, and whiskey. Well, and poetry, you know, you know Ode to Haggis, you know, that kind of stuff. So, if, if you look at kind of Burns' history, it's a very interesting history of his life. Young guy, died at 37. So, but... We're not talking about like 10 years ago. Like, no, kind of everybody died at 37. Yeah, back, back, back then, then, that was a long time. You might have been an old guy right? yeah. at that age back then. Yeah. Right. Uh, I do want to mention as well that we are going to open a bottle here shortly to celebrate Burns yes, Night. We need to do that. Uh, oh, what do we have, Sean? You want to read oh. that for us? I didn't bring my glasses. Oh, here, back. I got my glasses. Right here. <laughs> Put you on All the right. Spot. So that's the problem with being old. SMWS. Uh, this is a 68.93 uh, in celebration of Burns Night, 2023. USA exclusive cask. This is a 14-year-old uh, supper in the Dunnage. Well, I like I like that. Uh, do we know anything about this? Well, I can tell you that it starts with a B and ends with an A as far as the uh, distillery. <laughs> 
Blair Athol. Oh. Well, I was going to say Brooklady. No, <laughs> uh, you have me Brewer. running through lists of beer distillers. It's a Brewer. It's a Brewer. That, so uh, I'm looking forward to this. This was a lottery one, and I actually uh, won it. So I thought That's this exciting. would be a great one for Burns Night. Yeah. So we normally uh, do Thursday nights, and obviously last night, but we're going to do it tonight, and we're going to talk about Burns Night. We're going to talk about this bottle and enjoy it and uh, share our thoughts on it. So that, that sounds, sounds great. great. Yep. Right? Thanks, so, Drew. Why don't we uh, begin with a quick warm-up video to kind of kick off what Burns Night is? All right. All right. So this is a, a video, um, 2017. Uh, Mark and I did a Scotland trip. Uh, it was a UK tour. Uh, you guys remember a guy named Roy Duff? I think I've heard of him. Duff. He yeah. heard of him. I've, I, I, He's been around. He, I, think, yeah. I think he does something on YouTube. I, we've told this story a few times. It's awkward. Yeah. I don't day, think he so. was uh, doing much. He, he was at that not point. at the time. <laughs> and, uh, I, you know, technically now he's kind of, I think, the unknown godfather, if you will, of, yeah. of whiskey talk these days. He's, he's so knowledgeable. Good stuff. Good stuff. Good guy. But we met him uh, while we were there. It was kind of a weird story. We talked, talked about it before, but we met up with him. He gave us a tour, and then he showed us. He said, "Guys, while we're here, you should go to the SMWS, the vaults." We're like, what is that? What's that? Yeah. Well, it's this. Here's a video. <laughs> oh yeah. This is curious. This, the Scottish Malt Whiskey Society. All roads lead to the vaults, by the way. I'm going to look here. So, in here is the tasting panel room. Okay. So, this is where they do the tasting and they do the selections of the casks for the monthly outturns. Really? So they'll have their glasses, they take their notes. And if there's no one in here, I'm going to sneak some footage for you. Yeah. Let's see what's in here. Oh, this is amazing looking. This is um, the no. traditional vegetables turnip. Rutabaga, I think you call this. I know what a turnip is. I want you to take a bite first. <laughs> No, I'm not kidding. I just, it's haggis. It's, right, so just, it's going to be still quite hot. Actually, you're right. I should probably taste this to make sure I like it first. Haggis. This is the haggis guys. It's a little more creamier than I thought it would be. Is there anything offensive about that or is it just a savory meal? There's nothing offensive about it other than the fact that I think about what it was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's I a problem. I think about what it is. It's innards in a in a stomach with some. Do you know what turnip stomach. is, by the way? Yes. <laughs> yeah. I can tell the difference between that and like a rutabaga. Well, yeah, yeah what is it that, that you're supposed to have haggis with patties and so nip, nippies? Let's back up and talk about we talked about Burns Night and Haggis. Sean, what is haggis to people that may not know? I mean, here's the deal. I've never made haggis. But it's it's generally sheep stomach. Uh, it's got oats, a lot of internal organs, including lungs, and that's where it runs afoul of uh, the FDA yep. because you can't 
you can't clean out the lung tissue well enough to get all the microorganisms out. Oh. So uh, they generally frown on using that yeah. in uh, in culinary delights here in the States. But, I mean, they've been doing it for a long time over there. And does, it, does it have kidney and I, liver I and would, all the other Yeah, I mean, it's got, I, I think it's a one of those. Stuff, right? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like, um, like a lot of country dishes in the United States that, you know, it, everybody's got a family recipe yep. and they put different things in it and mm -hmm. different spices and stuff, different proportions of different things. So I think it's kind of one of those, it's like chili or etouffee or, you know, like everybody's got their own recipe, right? Well, and it's originally not a delicacy. I mean, it's like, this is what's left. We're going to cook it because we need food. Yeah. I mean, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to make it like a potluck type situation. But if you think about it, a, there's a lot of food that, I mean, they used to oh, feed yeah. lobsters to prisoners yeah. in Maine. Did yeah. you know that? No, I yeah. Not. Like back in the colony days, that was trash food. It was trash food. Really? Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. It was. They it's would, crazy. they would feed it to like prisoners. It would, nobody wanted to eat it. And now it's, you know, it's flipped yeah. on its head. So I want to. I do want to mention. Martin uh, said that his wife made haggis this week, and it was delicious. They used lamb and chicken livers. Well, that's yep. fair. And and like I said, I think that a lot of it is just, you know, it's kind of like what's what's available. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it was one of those kind of dishes, like depending yeah. on where you were in the country and what what they had, yeah. they made it in different ways. Well, it's like so, making beef stew. What, what's in beef yes. stew? Well, there's standard stuff, but everybody has different spices right. and herbs. And, yeah. and they, they, you can technically have haggis here, but it's canned. Is it? Is it? Is it still true haggis? Obviously, it's canned. I don't think so. It's I, still different. It right? doesn't have lung in it. It, it can't. It's it's probably haggis like spam is meat. <laughs> like, I mean, technically, Never it needs it. some sort of definition say. of of the dish, but maybe not all the way there. Yeah, would yeah. be my would be my qualifier. Well, I can tell you, going back to that video, and I, I actually tasted it as well, and I do remember I, I was freaked out. I know Mark obviously in the video was freaked out a little bit, um, but it wasn't that bad. It, it tasted like. If I remember correctly, it tasted like very grainy oats um, and kind of uh, not not meaty, not even it's almost like like a bean texture. It wasn't very yeah. well. It's considered a pudding or a sausage. Yeah, it, it was. It was all just combined, whatever it was. So, um, but it was it wasn't bad. Well, yeah. the, from what I understand, and like I said, I've never made it, so I'm not sure. But the oats are there to soak up a lot of the like. The juices, juices, yeah, and fat, and, yeah, yeah. And, and so it. To me, well, it's again, almost it, like a not quite like a blood sausage, but something along those lines where you've got a a grain to soak up. Well, and it also stretches your meat. Yes, I mean it. it well, yeah, of course, that's the point. I mean, that's right. the point of yeah. Back it's back a, in the day, there wasn't refrigerators and things like that. So nope, you got to throw it all together I mean, and I've cook made, it, make uh, a sausage out of it. And I made sausage. I, I made. I try to make sausage as often as I can, which is not as much as I'd like, but I've made it with crawfish and with shrimp. Oh, really? You use rice and heavy oh, yeah. cream and okay. some other stuff. Okay. But the the rice is like a binding agent. So when you cook it, it it forms up in the casing and it kind of stays together. Yeah. And to me, haggis is kind of in the that same vein. Um, it's, it's got a lot of different ingredients in it. And the, the grain is there to kind of offer some structure to all of the other stuff you're putting in there. I'd yeah. be interested to try it again, like with an open mind and like seriously have a whole haggis and eat the whole thing, not just a bite. Yes, to try it out. I think that's the way you do it. And, right? But you, if, if you're going to do it, you got to be over there. I to wonder do if we could yeah. find most of the ingredients at like a halal butcher or something that would have sheep and lamb and I mean, they have stomach and that kind of stuff oh, yeah. in there. Okay. Oh, yeah, you can get it. 
And technically, you could make it here. You just you have to know. Something well, about maybe not the lungs, but every other part, all the yeah. kidneys and oh, yeah, all, all that, that stuff. stuff. I can get that stuff yeah. tomorrow if you yeah. want it. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and then you need a some kind of a casing to cook it all in. So. Well, of course, if you're going to make it, you have to understand the heritage and be able to recite Ode to the Haggis. Ode to Haggis, yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so that's the hard part. What's the story with that, Andrew? <laughs> so Burns, Burn, Robert Burns, right? Ro yeah, Robert Burns is an interesting cat. Um, that's the Burns night. And um, I believe in the 2000 something, he was named essentially the, the Scottish poet, national poet, I think it was. Yeah. Now, the interesting thing is he lived in the late 1700s. So 18th century poet, um, died at 37 years old. Now, I thought, wow, so he's a national poet, but it's 200 years ago. And what, so what? what's the story of this guy? Why? Why is he so interesting? And boy, let me tell you, living in the 1800s, 1700s was no joke. And the funny thing is about Robert Burns is he didn't come from a big background. He wasn't, he wasn't a, a aristocrat or anything like that. He was a farmer and he was a son of a farmer. Okay. And, and actually he was the son of a really terrible farmer. And he was a, and he was a really <laughs> terrible farmer. Yeah. If you look up his, his history, he started out, um, I think he was Head, one of the head groundskeeper of, at his dad, father, the farm, his father was working at 15 and they, they had to move from farm to farm because they weren't able to make any money. And then his dad died and then he worked farms for a while and couldn't make any money and met a girl and the girl's father's like, you're not making any money. You're never marrying my wife. And, <laughs> and like today's talk. eventually they, they did get married after, after some time, but eventually what he had to do is he had to, he had to go to the city to get a job because he couldn't make any money farming. Fair. So you'll never guess what he did as his first job out of farming. Hmm. It wasn't a poet. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm guessing not poetry. Now, now admittedly when he was farming, he was writing poetry and there were some people around him that, that thought that, you know, you should probably consider this because some of it was pretty good. So he was writing, but he wasn't making any money. Let me guess he was a cook. No, <laughs> he was a bookkeeper for a slave trader. Okay. He, his first job, he was supposed to go eventually go to Jamaica and keep the books for a, a manor house in Jamaica. And that eventually I think fell apart. It didn't, but he got to know the, he got to do financing for a slave trader, which I thought was a really interesting job. But again, in, in it was, this was um, 1785 or 86 ish. So slave trade was active Globally yeah. at that time, he was a tax man. Yeah, and and then and then he became a tax man after that. Yeah, where he he really earned his money. But his first his first um, poetry was published in uh, 1786, and it, it went pretty well. And you know, well, let me back up. That job that he was supposed to get as a um, a bookkeeper for a slave trader, he was supposed to get like 30 pounds per year, and and be able to live in a shack. He wasn't in the big house, but he was going to live in a shack. So. He, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thirty pounds a year. That's and, and a place to live in Jamaica. So free, free shack. I mean, yeah, I mean, and rum and rum you know. probably. Um, but he went on to to write more books and get get some publishing and and he started to get some some notoriety. He actually became pretty well known for his writing over the course of it. And in fact, one of his manuscripts, he got paid like four hundred pounds for the manuscript. So he was. So he went from a job that was going to pay him thirty pounds a year to getting four hundred pounds for one manuscript. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. So right. so, so he was, that was an that's easy, a decent move. raise. Yeah, I mean, and it's so he's an, a very interesting person in that. I mean, over the course of his life, he he married that woman that that whose father wouldn't 
given the time of day, married her, had like nine kids with her, th only three of which made it to adulthood. Again, that seems, I mean, like, you know, late yeah. 1700s, early 1800s. And then by, by um, 1796, he was dead. So he had 10 years in his career. He died at 37. By the time he died, he had had 12 kids by at least two different women. And five of them made it to adulthood. So of, of those five kids, I, I saw it was an interesting stat. In 2019, he had 900 descendants from those five children he had. Wow. I mean, that seems about right. Well, like that's a, it was a very, couple hundred years. Right? Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah, admittedly, that was yeah. not, not trivial. But yeah, that, that was an interesting stat. So he, he definitely had a family. He's got career. Um, but living in, I mean, he, essentially, he was a, a, in the later part of his career, making, making his general salary as a taxpayer. He's an excise guy. So he was going around taxing whoever else and taxing whiskey or if, if they were doing that at the time and things like that. And then eventually, because he was riding all over Scotland, he got rheumatism or something and lung, some lung disease. And he, he de declined and died at 37 years old. So, so from 27 to 37, that was it. That was the only time he published works. Now there were some, I think there were some works that were published after he passed away that, that were yeah, unfinished but, works. But the the or thing whatever. that's so, so interesting about him is he, he essentially was a progressive at the time. He was very, very liberal in his writing. He, you know, women's rights, um, all, you know, he, he was a pretty interesting guy. And the thing that's, I think the reason his, his poetry is so, uh, it connects with so many people is he wrote it in essentially three languages. He wrote it in Scot Scottish or Gaelic, Gaelic essentially. Gaelic. He wrote it in English, and then he wrote in this soft Scottish, which is kind of what a blend that? between English and Scottish. Oh. So if you, if you read some of his work, huh. it's like you can kind of understand what he's doing, but clearly it's not all English. Right. And that's kind of his Scottish is that a soft? Is that Scottish. fair to say it's kind of like Spanglish a little bit? It is a little bit, yeah. It's a, a very much like that. But that the point of writing like that was to to uh, bridge the gap, well, kind of thing. Exactly, bridge the gap and per so it was perpetuate. On it, is what you're saying? It, it, was, it was. It helped perpetuate the Scottish language because he wanted people to keep speaking it. Right, because no one could speak it. <laughs> well, and and at, even at that time. He was, I mean, the English were taking over and, you know, so, yeah. so they were crushing the Scottish language. So he, he wrote in all those mm -hmm. languages to kind of bridge the gap and to create the, almost the uh, Rosetta Stone of Scott. I mean, so he's a pioneer not on, that. On, on kind of figuring that out. It was, it's re he's a really interesting cat. Interesting. I mean, he's, he's fun, it's fun to read about. I mean, he's really, I'd, I'd like to read a more, you know, um, in depth, in, in depth uh, bibliography. Well, he's he's popular to enough to have a day named after him. So, I mean, well, he, I mean, he is the national poet for Scotland. So, so we were, uh, as part of our, uh, trip over there, we, we, so we did a UK tour and it was on a bus and it doesn't sound very good, but it's actually amazing. We had a great, the, the greatest tour guide ever and, uh, Niall and the entire time he was so knowledgeable history talked about all that. But one of the things that he was really good at was theater. And he quoted the whole Burns poetry that owed the haggis at least a dozen times on our trip and we couldn't get enough of it. Cause that's the first time I ever heard of it. And I was just like, what, first of all, I was like, what are you saying? Well, <laughs> cause so, it was hard to understand. Well, so is that that soft Scottish then? I don't where, know where you could. I think yeah. it was. Yeah. I think it was. Yeah. yeah. So it was. there's, there's yeah. no parts that are English and parts that are exactly. not English. So I've got a couple of videos, but I want, there's one here. I'm going to play real quick of Niall that he did for uh, a, a YouTube uh, I warn you right now, it may be a lot loud, so if you're listening on the podcast, just turn your volume down right now. Oh, dressed to a haggis. 
Fairfars, your honour, sonsy face. Great chieftain, all the pudding roots. Aboon them, ye tack your place, pinch, tight, or thin. Wheeler, you all, one day grace, as long as... Matt So ye powers, while map to mankind your tear, and dish him out their dull fair. All Scotland wants their stinking wear, the jaws and luggies. Whoa. If ye wish a, a grateful prayer, <laughs> so that was a, a short like the shortest version of that you'll ever see i think it was just a very small part like yeah. when he did it yeah i swear to god it was 10 minutes long it is yeah, yeah it's, much it's a long poem and in in so much to, to recite and it's like when he did it it was so animated with <laughs> like, like cutting the haggis the knife the the gestures all you do mm -hmm. it's like if you ever want to really see the quality work just just google it and and uh, the whole there's like all kinds of interpretations of it. It's fascinating. It's, to see. it's almost like a play. It really like is. Like they acted out. It and is. I I actually got more out of the poem when I read it myself. Yeah. Because when when people are speaking it, especially really native speakers, yeah. I, it, it I can't pick up a lot of the English that's actually in the the poem. Correct. And when I read it, I'm like, oh, that's what they were talking about. I got you now. Yeah. And you can kind of infer. Uh, what a word is, you know, based on what's around it a little bit better. And, uh, but it actually is a really good poem. It's well, funny. Well, and it's interesting. So if you go to a, an official Burns night dinner, I, I looked this up this week too, because it was, it was interesting. Is that traditionally you're, you're, everybody's welcomed into the facility with bagpipes blowing. And then there, there are certain times during dinner with, with drinks and appetizer and the Ode to the Haggis where the where poetry is is um, is spoken, mostly mm -hmm, Burns poetry, mm -hmm. of course, and then there's uh, um, an ode to the uh, oh, it's 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 an address to the to the lassies. So one of the men get up and talks about women, and generally it's humorous but not offensive. So we're talking about the women that are there, and then there's the ode to the laddies, where the uh, one of the women gets up and responds to what the the gentleman said, and a general again humorous. I mean, it's a really interesting um, presentation. So I think it, I think it would be interesting to, to do that sometime, to to just because you know, they're all dressed up, you know, full tuxedos and kilts and all that kind of stuff. It's a it's, it's a formal event. Yeah, it's a very it, it puts you in the mindset. Yeah. When, when they when they do a really good job of kind of toast to the lassies, that's right. It's toast to the lassies and toast to the lottie. So so the, so some of the guys are commenting, especially time for a dram, which is a good friend of the show, Gregor. I, I would love to have him on the show. He's from Scotland, and it'd be great for him. Maybe put you on the spot. You should join in and, and do the uh, the toast for us, Gregor, because I think you'd nail it. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, guys, I let's go ahead. I poured oh, this. Yes, I did. Oh, okay. Uh, and then All I want right. to put it in from the, the the dram cam and let's talk about this for a sec. Um, but so, um, Robert Burns, Burns night, pretty cool thing. Um, so we're going to celebrate it a little bit more with this SMWS bottle. I'm going to add this camera while you guys are pouring so we can talk about your it. Your coins over there too. Where are you? There you are. So share and let me solo it. So here you go. So this is the SMWS. What was it called again? Sup uh, Supper in the Dunnage. It's a 14-year-old. Um, the number is 68.93, I believe. Yep. Yep. Um, for those of you that are Googling the SMWS codes, this is a Blair Athol. So it's a 14-year-old Blair Athol. 
Um, and I'm really looking for, I, I actually absolutely oh. love Blair Athol. I think what they make, um, so far, I've not had anything like super complex, but their smoothness. It, it reminds me of Johnny Walker Blue, the quality of what they make and the subtleness that you got of it. So I'm looking forward to this. What's the ABV in that, Sean? Need uh, glasses. 56.5. All right. So, so it's not too bad. I mean, I've had hotter. How about that? Yeah. But it's it's not nothing either. It's a nice color <laughs> to it. A little darker for a Blur Athol that mm-hmm. I remember. Is um, Is this finished in like... I don't. I think it's got some Pete, uh, uh, Pedro on the cast. It. It's got like it. a pinkish hue to them. I, I watched uh, the um, SMWS show with Lacrovite this week. I remember him saying, "I think it was uh, one year in Pedro." It's got a really nice, light, sweet nose. Yeah, it smells like a Highland. I mean, it just smells like. I mean, it's not over the sherry. There's there's no real um, heavy notes in it. Yeah, lots of marshmallow on the nose. Yep, hints of leather. <laughs> Honey and yeah, all that kind of stuff. Almost oh. fruity watermelon too. So it comes and punches you in the face. <laughs> At fifty, really? Yeah, it's got a little bit of heat. I'm, it does. I'm, I'm going to have to have a second sip, but I think it almost needs a little oh, water. Sean, help us out there. Um, there there's first your- fill STR PX Barrique. So All right. scrape, toasted, and, and yep. recharged. recharged. Thank you that, for that, Sean. That explains why it looks like slightly, but well, not but overly. If you scrape, toast, and char, don't you burn off all the... Depends on how PX. deep the the liquor penetrates yeah. into the wood and the wine. So, I mean, if it's an old barrel, that wine yeah. probably made it in pretty far eventually. Yeah. And it also depends probably on how much you're scraping and toasting and churring yeah so yeah is it alligator or is it just but it definitely does have like a a little bit of a pinkish hue to it but the color is very i mean it's 14 years old so i would expect a darker color so it makes sense that it was in a a reworked barrel for a uh, px though i don't i'm not getting anything in the px quality though normally you know you're just it's very it's it's real subtle Mm -hmm. yeah i would say this is a this was a, a a a barrel that after 13 years or was it full? Was it full age in that, or just finished in that? I don't remember. I think it was finished. But so, the the barrel is very subtle. I yeah. would say that, that I wouldn't necessarily peg this as a PX without knowing. Yeah, you that. wouldn't. You wouldn't call that out. No. Yeah. I. But I will say I haven't tried it yet. Um, just in the nose, I keep smelling it. It's. I, I absolutely love the nose, but I hate to say that because we say it's quite often. But juicy fruit is a good example. Of what I get in the nose. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's got a lot of fruit qualities to it. Um, floral, yeah. honey. I mean, it, it's a very a light, citrus, a really citrus. light nose. the The palate is good. It's just the ABV seems to overpower some of the subtle flavors, and and it's definitely got a lot more subtle flavors. Yeah, the burn, so put some the, water on the alcohol. It. Burn doesn't do it justice. I think I think it's with any like of these kind of whiskeys, they got to be ooh, got to bring them down. I'm gonna let mine sit for a little bit and just uh, come back to it because it's. Oh, that's nice. I think it's got a lot to give you, but it's the the ABV is kind of hiding. I think some of the the more subtle notes yeah. to it. So, but it's nice. I, I definitely enjoy it on the palate. Um, I think that the 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 finish is where that PX comes and say, "Hey, I'm I'm here. I'm living." It's yep. there just a little bit at the end. It, it's like a seasoning more yeah. than it is a right a flavoring Correct. ingredient. Correct. Right? Like it's a little hint of salt and not like. The main focus. The finish is lovely. I'm I'm still chewing a little bit. It's not like 
lingering, but it's 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 enough where it's dissipating slowly, um, om- almost slightly vic- viscous, leathery, a little bit, if you will, um, but not not tasting leathery. It's so much better with water. Really? It takes all that burn down, and I am starting to get some of the sherry coming through now. I'm getting a little leathery on it. Because mm. it, it took all that burn out, and now I can taste everything. Subtle. So, I get, so, I get a little cinnamon. No, I, well, that's, yeah, I was I just going to say, or, Tom uh, R. asks, uh, are, are you guys getting cinnamon? SDR gives him uh, Red Hots. I, oh, yeah. I actually am getting uh, some cinnamon on the finish and like some uh, like pickled ginger. It's got that like mm-hmm. that like little bit of spicy kind of quality to it. Um, I mean, it's it's very nice. It's interesting. Uh, mm. the, the subtle flavors uh, are kind of up front, and then they fade into some of those sharper, like cinnamons and things like that, uh, towards the finish. It's so, nice. so, so I haven't had any water. Yet. I just poured some on there, but my second sip was better than the first one. I definitely had more sherry on the second sip than the first one. It's still not pungent, but it's just slightly stronger than what it was. And I, I don't get any cinnamon personally. I don't, I don't see that. Um, I feel like if, if, if you're talking red hot, I would equate kind of the peppery, maybe cinnamon, but yeah. that's not cinnamon flavor. No, it's, it's more of water. the, like the, the pepper quality that, yeah. that I don't want to call it burn, but spicy quality. Yeah. I, th- I think it's, I think the water brings some of that peppery down. And brings it a little more. It, it's still uh, the longer it sits, I think the better it's getting. Um, but I feel like this is a glass that you have to slow down and like pay Appreciate attention it. to a little yep. bit, yeah. um, which kind of goes with Burns Night, right? Like, yeah, that's true. It would be something that you would slowly sip, and you have to kind of focus on a little bit to appreciate. And that's kind of it's Burns a, and his poetry. It, it's and, a full evening. You sit around the table and you talk over food, and yeah. Yeah, so I, I think the it's uh, it's probably a good call by the SMWS for this particular bottle. So, okay, yeah. so interestingly, so my first water set, uh, smell, there's sulfur now in the nose. I didn't really? have that before. Yeah, I haven't gotten any sulfur. It's slight. It's just it's like barely there, like matchstick. Like you just burn a matchstick, nope. slightly. No, I'm getting all the <laughs> grapiness now. I love it. Honestly, mm-hmm. I love that smell. It's one of my favorites. It sounds weird, but and the thing is, that, so that 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 is to me the difference difference between maybe a Scotch or a single malt versus like a bourbon or something. It just has a different nose. It just has that that sweet quality without any of the corn or any of that. It's mm. it's a sweet in a different way. Well, it is right. It like is. it's not. It's a fruit sweet. sweet. It's yeah. It's a fruit sweet. Yeah. So there's. A subtleness to it, mm-hmm. and and you've got to dig for some of the flavors. So, yeah. um, who said it was more sherry water? You guys, who's me? both of you? Yeah, it definitely is more sherry water. Yeah. Yep, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's good. I, I don't. Like it. I don't think you could get to it without the. Water. Well, I see. I think that's the case. Yeah. Is that the fact that it's a refill or a str cask? It's not going to punch you with the sherry, and it's finished it in after for a year or so, and it just doesn't. It doesn't have the punch that a new sherry cask would have and therefore you have to look for it a little bit yeah you have to you have to bring it bring it into the right abv to get all those flavors to come out i think it's interesting since we've become members of the smws which has been many years yeah um it seems like they've started to do more 
experimental casking. Oh, for sure. You know what I mean? For sure. Like, because before it was, hey, this was aged in, yeah. you know, a second fill or third fill barrel and we put it in a bottle, right? Yeah. And then they started doing more like, well, we aged it in this barrel, but then we finished it in a sherry cask or we finished it in a red wine cask or we did something different. And now they're, you know, oh, well, we finished in a shaved toasted recharge, oh, yeah. you know, <laughs> pork charge. pipe. And you're well, like, yeah. Dude, they came okay. out. With, they came out with a, a rum release to get. This is not the first rum release either. So they're they're definitely experimenting with like blends, rums. Well, the American single malt. Don't <laughs> American, American single malt. Yeah. They have a they have a clientele base. Yeah, and if they're selling it, then something so, must be going well. Let's back right? up for a second. And, and, and so if if you're if you're viewing now on the replay or if you're a podcast, you don't know yet. So SMWS is is a membership. It's a hundred dollars a year, right? Mm-hmm. I think for so your first year. For your first year. Um, and with that gives you the right to basically buy a bottle online. Um, I think let's just say average a hundred dollars a bottle. Yeah. Give sure. or take, right? So for they, the fancy ones, yeah. They yeah. can be a little cheaper. Oh, yeah, they, they can be a whole lot more. They go all over the place. But what yep. but what's unique about it, and I don't want to do a big pitch for SMWS, it's not why we're here, but I think it's important to kind of at least set the baseline why it's cool. SMWS is an independent bottler. They take casts from different distilleries and then some create their own unique brand and, and taste. Their 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 uh, tasting panel basically picks it and does a great job at writing descriptions of what it is. It's all cast strength, right? Yep. Everything's yep. cast strength. Um, but what's neat about it is they have a flavor profile system. So if you're into getting into scotch whiskey and you're a bourbon person per se, for one, obviously it's going to be hot. Uh, yes. There's that. The other thing is, is you don't have to know, which is the beauty about why I think they're doing is we, we obviously know that's what this is because they have a code system and we can, you can trace it back into what distillery it is. But what's amazing about this is that it's like, it really boils down to it. You know, like when people ask us, you know, what's your favorite whiskey or, or I'm trying to help somebody find something. What's the first thing you ask? What do you like to eat? What's your tasting profile, right? Yep. You don't ask them, you know, what's your favorite whiskey? What's your tasting profile? Yep. And I think that's what's beautiful about SMWS. They have, I don't even know, like eight to 10 different flavor profiles you can pick from, whether you're a peat, you're yeah, so fruity. Which one is this one? This one's, uh, it's got the, uh, the this rust This is a color. special release, so I don't know. That yeah, it's, but it's still got the it's flavor. Still, it's, I think it's, uh, it's got that uh, can. Help us out, Pete, uh, uh, Chad. I think it's uh, fruit. But you can pick based off yeah, of what you typically know. like. Yeah. In bourbon, be like peated or yeah, whatever you can do that. So there's a lot of comments going on uh, along uh, that essentially probably average is close to 125, so 125 dollars per bottle because they haven't had anything under 100 for a while. So that's true. Plus shipping. I mean, you, yeah, you generally need to buy two bottles to kind of make it worth your while. But yeah, with the uh, shipping, yeah. deep rich and dried fruit. Yeah, thank you, deep there rich and dried fruit is Sean, what this one thank is. you, sir. And there are 12 profiles. Thank you, Chad. You're, you're the best. Chad's <laughs> yeah, the best. Yeah. If you're not, but if here's you're, the thing. I wouldn't have been able to answer that because I only really look for about three. That's it, right? Maybe you four. home into your, your yeah. style. Yeah. I mean, now there's definitely like, if I'm looking through and I'm like, you know, I haven't bought a peated one for a while, or I finished that one bottle, you know, or I see something interesting from an interesting distillery, I'll put one in my cart. But a lot of times, like I like the deep, rich and dried fruits. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I like the vanillas. Um, occasionally I like the, uh, what's the, uh, dry and spicy one. Mm-hmm. I like that one. That's like a straw color. Um, and then there's like three different cat- category levels of peated. Yep. So I'll, I'll kind of peruse through those, but I mean, there's definitely some that I don't 
buy just because I know it's not you, my not your profile. Flavor, yeah. flavor pro- profile. So, um, yeah. so I mean, yeah, 12, that's a lot to pick from. Yeah. The other thing I'll add too is, uh, it's, it's a limited release. It's, it's kind of plays on your FOMO a little bit, right? As far yeah. as like, okay, there's only, I don't, it tells sure. you on the bottle, how many bottles are, are in that cast? Like 100 127 bottles. That's it. It's yep. gone after that. So it's kind of, it's kind of a neat way to say, well, I have, a, I have a very unique bottle. Yep. Hey, what do you like? Oh, the, I got one of those. The downside is when they come back to your house and they're like, can I have a sip of that whiskey that we had no. last time? And you're like, no, it's no, gone. No, no, it's gone. They're like, well, where can I buy it? And you're like, no, it's it's gone forever. Forever. You'll never, ever taste that again. Yeah. <laughs> one, of my, one of my cool explanations, because I have some friends that are mostly bourbon drinkers and they're trying to get in the scotch. And we talked about this. And one of my favorite talks about this is like, when I give the example of Dalmore, like, we all know what Dalmore is and they're fantastic. Right. But they're, yeah. they're all what? 40, 43 ABV 40, yeah. yep. tops. Uh, it's the same consistency, their core range and that's it. But with like SMWS, how many Dalmores have we had that are, you know, 50 plus ABV and you're like, that's a Dalmore. Well, what? they're, they usually age them in like burnout old casts. <laughs> so you just get, right. you know, the flavor of the distillery and it's yeah. delicious. It's absolutely delicious. Uh, so I'm just, it's, it's fun to try it. It's fun to experiment with distilleries that you know and yeah. love in a different way. It's fun to find new distilleries that you didn't even know you'd like uh, just because it's in your flavor profile or whatever. Yeah, so uh, SMWS has been a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I love it. Obviously, if you look at the bar, we've, we all have <laughs> a lot, many bottles of SMWS because they make good stuff. Uh, so this is a good bottle. I like this one. Yep. 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 But you definitely, now I'm getting dried fruits. For sure. I didn't get that before. And now I'm getting like, like raisins and prunes and on the finish. So what, what do we, so what, like ha, what has Newtons. to evaporate off to, to continue to maintain that flavor, to bring that, those fruits up. So the alcohol has to kind of evaporate, which is natural at, at 50 some percent, it's going to evaporate off and you're going to lose some of that astringent quality. Um, so here's the chemist coming out or chemical engineer coming out of me that you get some of those heavier um, components that are, that don't evaporate. And so those would tend to concentrate in this, in the liquid as it kind of evaporates out. And that's why you're getting some of those it's, sugars it's, and things like that. It's getting tastier as it sits Sugars there. and caramel. It's really good. It's very nice. So do we have some scotch in the news? We for do. This week? We do. We do. So we're going to, we're going to move forward. So Burns Night, thank you. Absolutely. That was awesome. Yep. Uh, thank you. This is a great bottle. SNWS as well. Let's move on to scotch in the news. Sean, Sean you had something that you messaged us earlier. Yeah, this, this week. is crazy. This is, this is really <laughs> unique. I'm not going to pull it up because I think probably people mostly know about this, but you can talk through this, right? Yeah. Now. So, uh, Sazerac is being sued. Uh, I believe it's a class action lawsuit and it's over the fact that, uh, Basically, the allegation is that they were deceiving their customers. Um, so when you get those little 99 cent like airline bottles that you can buy. So of what? Of, uh, I mean, of whiskey, right? Yeah. Or, or liquors uh, of any kind. Yeah. So right? you get the, so, the airline bottles. Yeah. Right. So if you if you buy those in, in specific states, right, there are certain things that can be sold in certain places okay. and not in others. All okay. right. So uh, I've the lawsuit was filed in Illinois. And so the basis is if you went into a liquor store in Illinois and you bought an airline bottle, it would look like fireball whiskey. It would say fireball cinnamon whiskey. It had the little, the little devil logo or whatever. Right. Well, if you went into a gas station 
they also had a bottle that was exactly the same. The only difference between the Fireball Cinnamon Whiskey bottle and that bottle was that that bottle said Fireball Cinnamon on it. It did not say whiskey. Oh. And instead of whiskey, it was either a malt beverage or a wine that was flavored to taste like Fireball Whiskey. And it was sold in the gas stations because they are not allowed to sell liquor. liquor. So, right? did, did it look like exactly, exactly oh, yeah, you could the same except it's on the on the bottom because it like kind of goes around the the devil or whatever, and it just says Fireball Cinnamon. If if you truly look at it, <laughs> so if you look very closely at the bottle, you can tell it's not whiskey, but. If you see, it's the same shape, it's the same color, it's the same logo, it has a few different words on it. So it looks identical to the casual observer who likes Fireball because it's an easy drinking shooter. I mean, we did, we did, you did a cinnamon Fireball whiskey discussion oh, years ago. Yep. Yeah. And we, we did a combination of, what was it? Uh, chicken cock. Um, oh, uh, Hellboy, Hellboy, and and yeah. Fireball. It was yep. a it was a horrible tasting. Well, experience. no, but the thing is, the thing about Fireball is it's easy to drink. So it's got the propylene glycol and things in it that make it easy to drink. But it's, it doesn't taste like whiskey, and no, that's no, kind no. of the whole point of this. Yeah. Cinnamon covers up all of well, the yeah. flavor of everything. <laughs> so right? I, just be clear, Fireball is the number one selling whiskey in the world. In the right? world, yeah, yeah. But it's, it went from a a few hundred thousand dollars a year to a billion dollar a year. Yeah. The whiskey, and, but they were uh, apparently they were trying to get it into places where it couldn't be sold, right? And so that's the 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 main crux of the argument is that they were deceiving their customers because it looks exactly the same unless you're reading the fine print. Was the ABV the same? It couldn't no. have been. It, yeah, it was, that was the problem. It was like five to People seven percent oh. versus forty percent. So time out. So are you saying this is the same? company doing this, or yeah. this yeah, yeah, yeah. oh yeah it's the same yeah, company it's the same company so they were just like we're not making enough money we need yeah. more this, this wasn't a knockoff brand that was copying right. sazerac this was sazerac going we'd also like to sell more of this to more people so we're gonna put this they're gonna into... put it in toothpaste and paste and mouthwash yeah. next i mean so Jesus. so i mean it's an yeah. interesting lawsuit i don't know where it'll go but I just think it's funny that Jeez. you know that they were already a huge market, and not that it's good whiskey. I don't need mm. everybody drinking more drink. Fireball, right? But easy to drink. Uh, I but see I you, just Kim. think it's funny that they were like, <laughs> you know, what we could do is uh, we could we could put this in like malt liquor and sell it to the kids, and uh, that's the thing. That's like a gas station, that's right? Horrible. Like, well, so yeah, that's and so if, bad. You think, if you think you're paying for <laughs> so bad. A shot of whiskey, and you're getting a shot of beer, essentially. Exactly. What it's the so heck? It's a dollar for a shot of beer. Well, and and I guess a lot of the liquor store owners were mad because you know it's it's taking money out of their pocket too. Like they they've paid for a liquor license to sell liquor. Yeah. And now this liquor company is selling this like off brand, you know, the like <sighs> whiskey. I mean, it was always whiskey. Yeah. Right? <laughs> True. Now it's like even even worse than even that. less. So, well, and it, it, I think it, if I <laughs> if I read the article, it, it said it had flavors of whiskey and cinnamon or something like that. Yes, it, it, it's not whiskey. It doesn't say it's whiskey. It has flavors it, it, of whiskey. It's, it's yeah, it's whiskey and cinnamon flavored malt beverage. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that is. Uh, so worst how, of I wonder all how worlds. long this sat and sold before someone said, "Hey, wait a minute." 
Somewhere there's a junior VP at Sazerac that made a buttload of money off oh of doing my this, gosh, right? Like sure. he was like, you know, uh, I got to make my numbers for this quarter. Um, <laughs> how about if we sell more Fireball? <laughs> <laughs> how can we sell? How can we put Fireball everywhere? So, so it's my, almost everywhere now. So my wife and I are starting to get into the movie uh, or series Succession. Have you heard about this show? It's about corporate life and yes. rich. It's, it's yeah. Uh, I love it. It's uh, absolutely awesome. But when you said that, it reminded me of that, like, what corporate COO, CEO said, hey, let's do this. I mean, that's... It sounds like a great idea. We'll make tons exactly of exactly what it is, right? Like, somebody just looked at the numbers and was like, you know what? If we could sell this as a malt beverage, we can flavor it oh to taste the gosh. same. And our profit margins go through no one's gonna know. We don't well, have to buy whiskey. No one's going to well, know. The thing is, you also <laughs> put it in 10 times facilities because every right. every... Place you can sell beer can sell it. I think when I read the article, it, there was like ten or twelve different states that were member that you know people could join no, the, join class the class action. action. Um, so they were they all probably had similar liquor laws. These lawyers will where crush these, this before it's nothing's going to happen. They're not breaking any laws. Nothing's going to happen. Well, are they? Technically, it's it's about deceiving their. So it'll be. I, I my guess is it's like. Hey, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to pay a fine, which doesn't go to the customers. It goes to the government or yeah. somebody, you know, right? Someone at Burns Night, and uh, you know, so the government will, will make their money off of it. The you know, Sazerac will get to keep their money, and the customers will have to figure out what's liquor and what's not. And liquor. they'll have to change the bottom half of the label to be more clear. More, moral of the story: You should probably not buy your booze in a gas station. Buy your Here, here's a good one: uh, Don't buy Fireball. Yeah, even better. Yeah, that probably. It's it's nasty. Yeah, Kim's right. They'll all get ten cents each. That's right, ten cents each. You know. So um, so Doctor Scotch doesn't have a, a anything planned tonight, but I thought you might find this one interesting. Oh, interesting. Yeah. This so one. and we we've talked about this for a few years, and I, I remember back when what was the bottle with the hay that the, the ship um, you know, oh, about, uh, uh, starts with the M. Mackerel, <laughs> what's his name? The the, the guy shipped uh, to uh, Iceland. Yeah, give me a second, I'll think of it. Anyway, <laughs> they restored whiskey back when they found it, right? And and this reminds me of this. So Edinburgh scientists Shackleton. are working. Shackleton, Shackleton yeah. thank you. Edinburgh scientists were uh, restoring whiskey flavors. Yeah. What's interesting about this is they're doing it from the 19th century. And they're looking at like the crops. Sure. Which makes sense. It's, well, because the they're barley. changing. They change the barley that they use like once every six years at or least. So. Yeah. They, they have a new strain to keep ahead of, you know, disease and stuff. So, yeah. So, I mean, if you're talking what a hundred years ago, 150 years ago, like there's, there may not be anything around anymore that even resembles. No, he, I mean, even, even whiskey from the eighties has completely different yeah. multiple, multiple generations right. of barley different. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's Shackleton. So it reminds me of Jurassic Park. Like they're going to find a piece of barley with <laughs> some kind of like, uh, on a, uh, it'll it'll get thawed out of the permafrost, and, uh, <laughs> stuck in some. They're, they're, they're going to be digging some peat, and it's like, wait, there's a barley green. But it, in it is interesting because we talked about this from we did a couple of shows on this, and we think about like the 70s and 80s, the blends, and how they are today. Like there, there's a big difference. Well, is that is that is that based on? I mean, the part grain of that was well, part of that is they were all they were selling was blends back then. So they were putting much better booze in the better bottle quality. to begin yeah. with, you know, but I think that, that, you know, I've, I've had whiskeys that were old 
um, you know, from like the sixties and seventies that they do taste different yeah, uh, from modern. Whiskeys. You're talking more native grain. They probably had more protein and less uh, starch. So they potentially had more flavor to them and, but they, they yielded lower whiskey. So whiskey per ton. So they, they, have well, evolved and the, those and the processing facilities were different then Correct. too. you know you had yep. much more what we would call craft distilleries back then well, versus modern you know mass production well, everything's facilities. mass production now i mean you could just you could get in a super rabbit hole when you start looking at the still stills and what they're doing with how they're mass producing these things it's like completely crazy production based on you know 30, 40 years ago, yeah, it was so nothing. Different. Yeah. <laughs> so the quality, it's like, you know, it's like buying a, a dishwasher now versus back then. It's like, it's, well, it's a whole different deal. Different, totally different. Correct. So, <laughs> I don't so, Scott well, so well, are, are they, what exactly would they be? So are they, they're experimenting with the grain to, to figure out if they can grow similar grains or to get like different flavor profiles out of modern so. grain. I wonder if they're doing things like they essentially like they did for glyph whiskey where they could. God, I hope not. <laughs> so where they can pull out different varietals. So, yeah. So you're trying to create the different organic characteristics in the whiskey that create the flavor profile. And therefore, once you find a, a heritage barley that can create that flavor, then you can understand what is in that distillate that makes that flavor and then so my guess yeah. would be that they're so they're they're looking through the old barleys to see what would be a a, a good aroma or a good flavor that comes out of that particular what, old the, strain right and then they can either splice that gene into a modern strain or crossbreed them to get those traits back into the modern barley yeah i wonder if they've got um access to the what is it? That seed um, archive that is in Norway or something like that, where they were they're putting seeds, the seed vault, the seed yeah. vault, where they are putting seeds away for years and years and years, just in case the world of apocalypse and they won't be able to grow anything. I have these six modern barley seeds that I will trade you for some of that old stuff you got in the back. Exactly. Right. Well, exactly. I mean, because it's <laughs> gone. The, the genetics are gone unless you can find a bucket of uh, barley from. 50 years ago. Man. Good luck. Well, that's what it's there for. <laughs> Permafrost, baby. You're going to be digging up woolly mammoths to see what they were eating. Uh, nope. I, I mean, I think it's interesting because I do think that there was probably, I, I feel like we're getting back to looking for more quality ingredients and understanding that the, you know, the mass production is, we, we've gone to that particular avenue um you know we, we try to get away from you know more craft distilling because the demand is high right yeah. and so the the strains that they're using produce more alcohol per ton they're more efficient in that regard but what have they lost Correct. along the way to get to that efficiency and so now they're trying to get right. that the right. flavor back along with the efficiency that yeah so developed. so when you go into industrial distillation then you have to rely on the cask to produ produce even more of the flavor so that's where you get all these freaky casks and the peach wood and all those kind of things. Peach wood, um, peach wood always comes. So, up. so can, can we bring it back to the the distillate and can we get, create more character in the distillate? So you need less expensive casks because, uh, admittedly, the casks are by far the most important component or most expensive component in making good whiskey nowadays because those casks are are incredibly valuable. If you can get a brand new really real sherry cask you're talking 
thousands of dollars mm. and you get 200 bottles out of it. True. So, but you get to reuse it. Well, but if, it, if but if I can, if I if I can reuse it and have a better quality distillate, yeah, then that's a, the local barley. That's that whole process there of trying to find that you know uh, farm farm to bottle character. So, you know, you know what's interesting too is, and just a segue out of this into we're almost done here with the show, but just back to last week's discussion about American single malt and the craft, like. So their scientists are basically trying to figure out like rehashing, like just old recipes, basically. What can we do to kind of reignite the whiskey over there? We haven't begun really in American single malt, like some of the grains no, we're doing. Here. No, no. So we're obviously bourbon, that's a whole different topic, corn, et cetera. But we're beginning a new thing kind of here. Don't you, don't you agree? I, I, I agree. would agree. And, and I think it's interesting because it's, I think for a long time, bourbon was the big the big deal. And it still is. It's still, is. Not, it's it's still huge. huge. But huge. I think that people are discovering <clears throat> that it's a new medium. It's not just, you know, bourbon 2.0. It's its own thing. It is. And it's unique. And they're going to have to do different things with it than oh, they yeah. do with bourbon. And I think that that will be interesting. Uh, some of the new and unique things that, that totally. American distillers come up with. with American yeah, I mean, with, with, with uh, the grain bill of a bourbon and the new um, the new barrel, you're really limited. And I would argue that it's another layer for a a craft distillery to try and take that on. Yeah. Because quite honestly, a lot of craft distillers are young. They're still selling a bunch of um, limoncello and gin and vodka to pay the bills. And putting single malts down for multiple years is well a a sideline at best. When you think about it, for for a bourbon, you're talking about you have to have 51% corn, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So you're altering the mash bill and maybe some of, you know, the distilling techniques as far as like your still shape and things like that maybe a little, contribute yeah. a little bit. But really, it's the mash bill that imparts the flavor because you've got to put it into a new oak barrel. Yeah. So that's your variable. Yeah. Whereas with single malts, the mash bill is Set. always the same. Yes. So it's all barley. Now you're changing your barreling, the aging. Oh, yeah. The cutting. Know, the cutting. To get the front and back, the heads and tails. Yeah. That flavor. So there's, yeah. there's different variables involved. So I would think that there'd be a different skill set involved in that too, right? Like oh, yeah. If, if you, you know, if I'm, if I'm making soup every day in the kitchen and all of a sudden you ask me to make a cake. I can make a cake, but it's going to be a shitty cake. <laughs> like I'm just going to tell you right now. It's going to be a soupy cake. Um, yeah. So, so that that's <laughs> that where is, if you is. had some consultants like that, there are four guys that could consult on making single malt whiskey. That would be a great I opportunity. I like where you're going right? with this. Right? Great I opportunity. I like where you're going with this. Very yeah. nice. Hey, I threw up a quick uh, giveaway. We're going to give away a two ounce sample of this uh, SNWS Burns. Oh, okay. Burns nice. bottle. So it's delicious. I think if you, it's it's lottery. <laughs> So if you haven't uh, if you haven't had a bottle, it's a good chance for you guys. Drew is we drinking. Mark says Drew we drinking. Mark is they're putting hashtags Mark, Mark all is, over the place. Mark is all of it. So uh, we're gonna give you guys another couple of minutes to to make sure you hit pound burns and chat for an opportunity to win. Um, <laughs> oh my gosh, that chat is so so. Mark, uh, Sean and I have been talking, and um, Drew has been watching the chats or something, and so I I just flipped over to look at the chat, and it's. 
It's it's a lot of Mark. Mark, Mark, is, Mark is not helpful. Mark Mark is Mark is appreciating. He says, "I kind of like this. I don't have to worry about it and just drink attitude in the chat." So he's enjoying himself. So it's going to be a fun after show. Okay, so apparently, if so. if Sean wins, we don't we need to skip him because he already has a bottle. So. Yeah. So yeah, let, let me. Um, we'll do the drawing, and obviously, we we'll have to wait thirty seconds for the delay. If if you already have this bottle, just say I already have it, and we'll do it again real quick. Okay, but. Uh, I think I think we're probably good here. We've got quite a few. Let's let's see how many we got. We've got um, twenty five entries. It's not yeah. bad, but it's not only bad. it's forty four online. It's like half. Watching, dude, so, who doesn't want free stuff? I like this Burns Night bottle. It's, it is it's good. It it is. I will say that it has definitely grown on me. When I first tasted, it, I was like, I mean, it it was good, but I couldn't get to everything. And now that it's sat, like it well, was much better. Much I was just gonna say you nailed it earlier about letting it sit, and it's it's definitely more sherry than it was before. It's it's got a lot more dried fruits. It's yeah. just it's really opened up, and it's a very enjoyable dram. Mm -hmm. So, oh, Seth Work already has one. Yeah. So let's uh, let's go ahead and do the drawing and see who might win this one. So let's give it a full full screen here, if I can. There we go. Let it roll. And my draw. This is it. Drum roll, please. Oh, I think I saw one of my coworkers working in there. That's awesome. Gil's in there. <laughs> oh my God. Are you serious? All right, so redraw Not only that. did you call that out ahead of time? That's that's insane, Sean. What he should have said was when I win it, just give it to Dude, somebody. When I win else. it, yeah. So let's so draw, draw again, Sean. That's hilarious. Th thanks for your honesty. I appreciate that's that. That's really cool. Next, it'll be somebody else who already won it. <laughs> oh, cool. Very cool. All right. All right. All right. Good job. Like Congratulations to you. Win a win at chicken dinner. So we will definitely email us at scotchfordummies at gmail.com. Your uh, email or your actual address and the owls will fly it to you. Yep. And uh, guys, fun night tonight. It was. Burns it was night. A little I, I enjoy a little uh, history talk. History. And, uh, we got to talk about barley strains from like the 1800s. Like, I don't get I'm to surprised that Scotch didn't come in here because he could geek out on that stuff I, for a couple hours. I actually did a whole talk on that, I believe. Uh, barley strains? Yeah. Remember, oh, we, had, right. we had a whole talk about uh, upcoming barley strains and how they would approve it in the whole process. Sounds like we need to rehash a podcast Ooh. on that. So it's that would be interesting if we could bring that into the American single malt. What barley strains are they using? Because mm. they're different. This SWA mm. has a specific strains of barley. They are approved. Yes. American single malts don't have that. I Well, but I wonder if they wouldn't use the same or similar. I mean, just because it's a mass production thing, right? Like somebody's well got the seed capacity for that. And I would think that it would be a, a similar... Yeah, I mean, strain that you would use. Bourbon distillers have to have a certain percentage of barley to activate the corn or activate the the enzyme. So they're cranking whatever that is just to create enough enzyme to. Yep. Which probably doesn't necessarily give us the best flavor because all they need well, is the enzymes. That's another question that I yeah. would want to ask them. So sounds sounds like we got another topic. Oh, that's gotta, a topic. We got to research that because I I don't know. That Maybe in the next week or two one. you'll see that. Well, thanks, everyone, for tuning in tonight. We love you. And uh, podcast, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Cheers, Cheers everybody. Cheers. Three, two, one.